The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Well, good morning, New Song Church. How's everybody doing? My name is Pastor Joshua Blunt, and we're so glad you're here today. You may be thinking, well, it's kind of like him, only much older and much shorter, but that's because I'm his father. (laughs) And uh, we actually are members of this church, and you may say, well, yeah, but you're never here. Well, that's true, but that's our assignment. We travel, and uh, Trudy, my wife, his mama, honey, would you stand up? Many of you know know her. Uh, We travel all over the country, and we preach on issues concerning family, uh, how to better connect your marriage, how to train your children, and uh, we just moved to Oklahoma City a couple of months ago. We're excited to be here. This is our base now, and we're excited about, look around, man, this place has grown since I was here last time, all right? And uh, so I am honored today to to continue our series on the character sketches of the Bible, and today we're going to talk about Noah. Everybody say Noah. And our title for today is Noah and Now. Noah and Now. And one of the things we're going to find out as we dig into Noah a little bit today is how Noah is a prophetic picture of where we live. In fact, I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the the book of Luke, chapter 17, verse 26. One of the things I love about God's word is there's so many prophetic references in the word. What do you mean, Brother Ken? Well, it tells us what's going to happen in the future. We can't know everything, but there's little clues that God gives us about the future and what's going to happen. Did you know there are 353 prophecies in the old covenant about Jesus coming? So God loves to give us clues. We can't know the day or the hour when he's coming back, but we can know the season when we know what the Bible says. And it says here in Luke chapter 17, verse 26, when the son of man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. Not Abraham's day, not Moses' day, not David, but in Noah's time. So Noah's time is a prophetic picture of what's going to be happen in the, happening in the time before Jesus returns. So when you may think about Noah's ark, it's one of the iconic stories in the Bible. And everybody has heard something about Noah. Uh, maybe you saw the movie that, that came out, I don't know, what, four or five years ago. Let me tell you what, we're not going to be preaching on the movie, Okay. Because in the movie, I didn't see the movie because I heard it wasn't biblical. But in the movie, there are like rock creatures that helps him build the ark. That that didn't happen. Uh, It's like Noah was on hallucinogenic drugs in order to hear from God. You don't have to do that. Aren't you glad? Uh, (laughs) So there's a lot of things in the movie that aren't in the Bible. So we're going to look at the Bible and take a fresh look at the life of Noah. And uh, let's just review a little bit about Noah. Noah came along in Genesis chapter 5. And we're early on in the Bible, and yet there's been about 1,000 to 1,200 years that have passed. Now, men lived much longer in the beginning of time. Uh, Adam actually lived to be 930 years old, the original man. So Adam hasn't been dead very long when Noah comes on the scene. And at this time, 1,200 or so years into human history, things are really bad. In fact, the Bible tells us that God looked at the world and he was grieved in his heart because no man, any man, was thinking about God. It says their their thoughts were evil continually. 
And scripture says God was grieved, or that means God was sad. And he repented, it says, that he had even made man. So it was a very dark time, but the Bible goes on to tell us that there was a man named Noah that found grace in God's sight. Now, Noah heard from God. In fact, God spoke to him, and he told him what he was going to do. How many are glad God talks to people today? And God gave Noah a plan. He said, Noah, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to have to destroy the world. I'm going to have to destroy all the people, even all the animals and the birds. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to build a big boat called an ark. Now, this ark was huge. God gave him instruction on how big it was to be. In fact, I'll give you some some, uh, detail about the size of it. It was 450 feet long, 75 feet wide. It was bigger in length and breadth than a football field. Think about that. It uh, was about the size of you put 36 tennis courts together. So that's a big boat. That's a big footprint, right? And uh, God said to Noah, I want you to put a pair of every animal and every bird on the earth. So Noah, the scripture says over and over again, it says it's about three times. I just reread it yesterday. Noah did everything God told him to do. How many know when God speaks, it's important to obey what he tells you to do? So Noah did that. It took 100 years to build this boat, but Noah obeyed God. And then the destruction came, and it came in the way of a flood. There was a great flood. It began to rain. Noah had warned everybody for 100 years, but nobody listened. But Noah did get his family, his three sons, their wives, and his wife, Noah's wife, Mrs. Noah, Naamah, they all got on the ark, and the rains descended for 40 days and 40 nights. It rained. That's not a fairy tale. That really happened. It rained, and also the depths of the earth, water came up from the depths of the earth. And it rained so much, it covered the hills and the valleys. And then even the mountains, everything was covered, and all life on the earth was ended. Now, after the water stopped, Noah stayed in the ark for about a year until it was time to get off the boat. And when he did, he came and he offered a sacrifice to God, and God cut covenant with Noah. It's like the beginning of life on the earth again. And Noah began to live, and, uh, and the Bible tells us that there was a rainbow put in the sky. How many know what the rainbow is, right? Did you know God put that in the sky so that when we look at the rainbow, we remember that God promised he would never flood the earth again. So there are many prophetic things we want to look at this morning in this story of Noah. I want you to turn to the book of Genesis right now. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 11. And we're going to dig into this and look at a a few things about Noah that are prophetic of our times that point us in the direction of what we are to do in this dark generation. How many know things are not getting better on planet Earth? In fact, the scripture tells us, Genesis chapter 6 verse 11, That in the day of Noah, the earth was also corrupt. That means it was spoiling. It was decaying. Things were getting worse. Sin makes things rotten. And there's this curse on the earth that causes things to, to disintegrate. There's a degrading going on all the time. You know, from time to time, uh, Trudy and I, I'll give you an example of this. We'll buy, we'll go to Sam's and we'll buy these boxes of peaches. You ever bought those peaches at Sam's? And, and, And a lot of time they're a little bit green. So here's what we've done before. We take the peaches and we put them in a cabinet. We didn't want to eat them right away. And if you put them in the refrigerator, they, they stop maturing. So we put them under the cabinet so they would ripen and then they would taste a lot better. So one of these times we bought some peaches and it's probably been a month and we forgot about the peaches. 
because we didn't look in that cabinet very much. So I opened the cabinet and I pulled the peaches out and there was hair growing on the peaches. They were green and nasty and you couldn't eat the peaches. Why? They were spoiling. Well, there's a spoiling going on in the earth right now. And that was what was going on in Noah's time. The earth was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. Now, this is an interesting word in the Hebrew language. This word violence is actually the word Hamas, which is, think about it, right now, there, there is a terrorist organization called Hamas. There are others, there, there's Hezbollah, there's Al-Qaeda, there's ISIS, there's many, many, many more. But here's the point I wanna make. There must have been terrorism in the time of Noah. There is terrorism today. These are signs that point to us that things are happening that are going to proceed, I believe with all my heart, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you four parallels and they're on your notes on the screen here that concern our culture and the culture of Noah that point to this fact. Number one, during Noah's time, there was a business as usual attitude. No fear of God. Sin was rampant and people had no regard. They wanted to live the way we wanted to live. I'll ask you the question, do we see that happening now? I think we do. Number two, during Noah's time, there was a rejection of truth. The Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So he preached. I believe he preached the whole time he's building this boat for 100 years. But do you not, not, know not one person listened to the truth? I think we see that during our time. Number three, there was a sudden removal of the righteous from the, from the wicked. This is God's way. You know, the Bible says in the New Testament that God has not appointed us, that's believers in Christ, to wrath. There is coming a time on the earth that's going to be terrible. Maybe you've heard about it. It's a time of seven years of great tribulation. But do you know during that time, those that believe in Christ, we are going to exit this planet in this thing called the rapture of the church. And when all the really, really bad stuff, you think it's bad now, man, it's really gonna get rough during the tribulation. But when all that's going on, believers are gonna be in heaven with Christ, participating in the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it's gonna be awesome, man. I mean, it's gonna be this like this great big dinner and it's gonna be so many people. In fact, relatives that have preceded you that believed in Jesus, they're gonna be there. I'm gonna get to see my dad again. I'm gonna get to see my grandpa who died when I was 10 years old and I wish I could remember him better, but I can't, but I'm gonna get to know him. I'm gonna get to meet Noah and Paul and Jesus. And it's gonna be a seven year of, of, of getting to know people and fellowshipping and connecting. And then this is gonna be added too. We're gonna be able to eat and it's gonna be great food. It's a marriage supper, right? We're gonna be eating cheeseburgers and French fries and whatever you love. And, and, but, but there won't be any fat grams. It's gonna be awesome. Hallelujah. And this is true, this is coming. And then number four, there was a cataclysmic judgment that came on the world. So we see all these things preceded the time of Noah, they precede our time. And the life of Noah, the thing that I'm digging into, and I can't get into all this this morning, I've been studying on, the, on this for the last couple, three months, I've been preaching on this when I travel. Noah is a picture of how your family your family can be preserved. Your marriage, the training of your children in really rough times on the earth. Now, I've heard people say, in fact, I think I heard this preached on one time, that God, or Noah was a preacher of righteousness and God had him build that boat so big because Noah was to preach and get people on the boat. But I don't believe that. 
because Noah's assignment was to get all the animals on the boat. I mean, if, if he hadn't gotten the animals and the birds, we would have no pigs today. We would have no cattle. We wouldn't have steak. There'd be no chicken. There'd be no Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. They're animals, sort of. Okay. But, but no, Noah's assignment was to get his family and the animals on the ark. Here's what I believe. I believe Noah's life in his building was a pattern so that other people would see, hey, I gotta build my own boat. I don't get on Noah's boat. I have to build my own boat. Each of us in our family, in your marriage, in your kids, you have to build your own boat. How do you do that? I'm glad you asked that question. I wanna look at a few things about Noah this morning that points to us how we can build a boat, an ark of safety to fulfill our purpose, even in dark times on the earth, no matter what's going on, no matter who's elected, (laughs) God's gonna take care of his church. In fact, I believe with all my heart, this is the greatest hour that the church has ever seen. But there's some things we're gonna have to do if we're gonna build our boat successfully. Three things Noah did I wanna point to you this morning. Number one, Noah fathered. Noah took the training of his kids seriously. Now, go to Genesis. You're in Genesis 6 right now. Look in Genesis chapter 5, verse 32. And it says this. And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begat, begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So Noah's 500 years old before he has any kids. I don't even think I would want to do that. But it was a different time. <laughs> so he has, and these are the names, that, and they're all boys, three uh, boys, their names are Shem, Ham, and Japheth. These are names we don't use a lot today. I have heard, never heard these names used. I mean, you know, this is my boy Ham right here. It's mother's son, Bacon. Little, little baby's named Pork Loin. I'm sorry, that's stupid. But uh, that, <laughs> that's the name, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now look in Genesis chapter six, just a few verses in from, from verse 32. Genesis six, look at verse 10. It says, and Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Wait a minute, we just read that, right? Why is God repeating himself? Well, he's not. See, everything God says has great significance. And there's been one word added that's very, very important for us, for us to understand. It's this word God had, or Noah had three sons. Everybody say sons. This word sons in the Hebrew language is the word ben, and it means Here's really the essence of it. It means Noah just didn't have these boys. You know, two healthy, a male and female can come together and, and physically have children. And Noah did that with Mrs. Noah, and that's God's way. But now it's talking about what Noah invested in his boys. In other words, Ben means he made men out of them. Noah saw the importance of fathering of being a man of God in his house, of teaching his children commandments, of loving them and training them. You know, training is an ongoing thing. Training children is kind of like mowing grass. You do it once and it looks so good and you think, praise God, that's done. I get to go rest. But dad, gum it in four or five days, you gotta do it again. Same thing. Go over the same stuff. You know, raising kids is like that. It's investing in them, and it is. And the younger they are, you know, the more you have to, they learn by repetition, and they learn by example. Your example's everything. But Noah made men of his boys. And this fathering in our society, this lack of fathering, has produced so much trouble in our country and all over the world. We need men 
that will stand up in our day and live for God, first of all, at your house. That's really good preaching, Pastor Ken. I like that. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, we have a culture that's filled with like an orphan spirit. Did you know in America, I'll give you a couple of stats. There are 24 million children, one out of three, that live in biological father-absent homes. Isn't that amazing? 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts from fatherless homes. Nine times the national average. These stats go on and on and on, and they point to the digression of society. But here's the answer. If you're a man, if you're married, you live for God in your marriage. If you're training children, you take it very seriously. You know, in my life right now, I have two children, but I also have five grandchildren. And I've thought about this when I'm with my grandchildren. I've got two teenage grandchildren from my daughter, Brooke. And then Josh, uh, Pastor Josh and Sarah, they have three and Gus is eight, Bo is five and Sonny's two, so they're smaller. And, and, you know, we're involved in their life as grandparents. And I've learned that grandparents can have spiritual influence in the life of their grandchildren. And one day I was, you know, we're just, we'll keep the kids and from time to time, and, and I, we were with them one day, and the Lord just spoke to me, and he said, what you're doing right now with your grandchildren may be the most significant part of your ministry and the things that you're doing. This is equally important as you going out on the road and preaching, as you connecting with pastors, as you influencing men. You know, all these things are in my wheelhouse, and yet maybe my first priority right now is with my children and grandchildren. See, that's the way God wants. God is a family God. It's important that we see that we as men are to invest in our children. Now, if you don't have a man in your life and you're a mother, you're a single mother, that's one reason the church is so important. That's why you need to be faithful to church. So an image of God, men serving God in church. But you know, I've noticed in the children's ministries here, I think it's awesome. There's a lot of men involved and kids need that. Teaching kids in church is not just a woman's job. Thank God for women that will do it. But you know, men need to get involved in that too. It's a big deal. We need to father. Let me give you just a couple of things in this point as school starting, right? A couple of things that as a parent, real practical things that'll help you that you need to be diligent at as, as school starts. Number one, be diligent to monitor your children. We are living in the most dangerous time electronically. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, things fly through the air. Kids pick up on things. The average age of seeing pornography is so young right now. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it's like seven or eight years old. And, and, and all these things are, are accessible. And moms and dads, monitor what's going on on the electronics of your children. Know where they are at all times. Watch over them, protect them. Not in fear, but take it seriously. As I look back and raising my kids, uh, you know, I did some good things, but then there's some things I just didn't know. And, and I'm, I'm more aware of now. If I could go back in time, I would be even more involved in their day-to-day -day activities. It's a big deal to monitor them. And then understand this, you will not raise perfect children. They're gonna make mistakes from time to time. I mean, they're people, right? And they're fallen people. We live in a fallen world. And, you know, sometimes they'll do crazy things. Don't give up on them. And, and understand they're not going to be perfect. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we kept our three grandchildren for four days. And I love them. But, oh, my goodness. By the end of the fourth day, we're texting Josh and Sarah, when are you guys going to get home? Because we were tired, you know, and, it's, and it's, it's diligent. And we're older. That's why God gives you children when you're younger. 
because you're, you're, you're more spry. I can get down on the floor with my grandson for a little while and then say, Gus, Papa's got to get up. I don't bend like I used to, okay? <laughs> and they won't be perfect. They do crazy things. You love them through it. You're training them. Understand that. That's a big deal. So Noah fathered his children. Number two, Noah is so important in our time because we're living in a time when people are giving up and quitting. But Noah had grit and he endured. I like this point. Noah had grit and he endured. Think about it, 100 years to build this ark. You know, I, I'm not 100, but I'm older. And, and it's 100 years, really? 100 years? And all this time, Noah is preaching. In fact, look in verse Peter chapter 2, verse 5. It says, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the earth of the ungodly. Look at, think at how Noah had to stand alone. I mean, he's preaching and he's telling people, and he's building this boat that was the talk of the town. I grew up in a little town of 800 people back in the 50s and 60s. And I can't imagine if you were building a boat in my little town, you know, it was more of an agricultural society and this is, of course, before media, multimedia and the internet and all these things. So people drove everywhere, they walked a lot and, and, and particularly then they just walked around in the community and they go by, Noah, what are you doing, dude? You're building a boat? Do you understand this is dry land? And do you know how big this thing is? And you know they mocked him and they made fun of him, but he continued to preach and he stood strong day after day after day. You know, I believe his boys helped him do that. He didn't have any power tools, no skill saw, no electric drill, nothing. He had to do this. That's why it took so long. I didn't tell you this boat was three stories high too. It was not only huge, but it was three stories high. This thing was massive and people made fun of it. They thought he was crazy. It had never rained before in human history. Did you know that? The Bible said that the earth was watered by water that came up from the ground. We're not really sure how that worked, but when he's saying, hey, it's gonna rain, they're going, what's rain? Water's gonna fall from the sky? Have you lost it, dude? I mean, they thought he had, but a hundred years later, when the rain started, they saw that it was right. But listen, Noah didn't, he didn't get bitter. He didn't quit. He endured. Listen, can I tell you something today? As an older man, I'm glad I didn't quit. I've been in the ministry for 34 years. I'm coming up on my 46th year of marriage. I'm glad I stayed with it. I'm glad I did the best I could to put the word of God in my kids. You know, I'm glad that we, we endured and we went through some things. We went through some people that uh, betrayed us. These things happen in life. You know, there've been times we've had to forgive real, real hard and it wasn't easy. But this is life. I'd love to tell you today when you get saved, you'll never have any more rough times, but it doesn't work that way because we live in a fallen world. And let me tell you something, you gotta get down in your crawl. This is the truth. The word of God is the truth. God is there. He will help you. You won't see him. You may not feel him from time to time, but if you'll set your jaw in the times of hard and you trust in God, he will get you through if you have the grit and determination to endure. That's really good preaching, Brother Ken. Noah endured. Number three, I like this one. Noah found grace. Look in Genesis chapter six, verse eight. All these wicked people are all around. 
I mean, it was nasty and it was dark. It was lurid. It was really rough. But during this time, the Bible said, after God pronounced his judgment is coming, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now think about this. Said he found grace. You don't find something unless you're looking for it. So Noah must have had a heart that he was looking for God. And because of that, God went looking for him. It says he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You know, I I read a scripture that says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth. Sometimes we feel like God's holding back things from us. That's not true. Since his eyes are always going and he's looking for somebody he can be strong on the behalf of. Wow, that's God's heart. And God found one man a guy named Noah. God looked, Noah was looking, God looked at him and then God's grace came on him. Now what is grace, Brother Kim? Well, grace is a lot of things but let me define grace today is a big part of grace is the power of God that comes on the scene to help you. See, the way that we operate with God is we have to do our part and God, then God does his part. See, we have to use our faith but God has his grace. It's grace, when grace and faith come together that your prayers get answered. When you pray and believe and you find a promise and you pray it and you stand on it and you say, God, I believe this and I'm asking you to do this, then God's grace will show up. And let me tell you something about God's grace. God's grace is supernatural. It's powerful. It, it's not, it's, it's, it's the glory and the power of God. Think about it. It was supernatural when seven days before the a flood after Noah had fully obeyed, that all these animals began to gather. I don't believe that Noah had to just get out in the woods and wrang, you know, wrangle all those animals to come in. Now, I'm sure he had to you know, pin them and get them on the boat, and there was some work to be done, but I believe there was a super, I mean, all the lions and tigers and, and you know, elephants, and I believe there was a calling that God made to come on the ark. When we pray for a new song church, let me tell you what, we pray this, you should pray this too. We have a prayer that when we get together with our prayer team, we pray, Lord, we believe you're sending people to new song church. You are drawing the ones that are supposed to be there like you drew animals to the ark of Noah. That's a good prayer to pray. See, they showed up, it was a supernatural thing. It was supernatural and I love this, when the Bible said when everything was done and Noah and his family got on the boat, Noah, Mrs. Noah, all the animals that were there right before the rain started. This is so cool. It said, God shut the door. I don't know if it sounded like that, but I bet it was awesome. I mean, God's hand. You know, God will shut doors in your life too that you don't need to get into if you'll trust him. He'll shut doors and he'll open doors. He's a door. He's a doorkeeper for you when you use your faith. But the supernatural power of God, it was supernatural when the waters began to recede. Remember this, how when, that, that he sent a, the dove out and the dove came back a couple of times without any, you know, and, and there was no rest out there. That told uh, Noah it wasn't time to get off the ark. But then the dove came back with an olive branch in his mouth. Now, remember, this is all prophetic and significant. You know what that was about? The olive branch represented, olive produces our olive trees produce oil. And that oil was used in the tabernacle of God to light the menorah to bring the light of God on the scene. That was a picture, I believe, of the light of God coming to the world through Jesus Christ. See, Jesus is the light of the world. That's a picture of you being born again, of God changing your life. But the dove, you know what that's a picture of? 
That's the Holy Spirit coming on the scene. That's the Holy Spirit empowering you to do what God has called you to do. You know, God never intended for the church to be powerless. We are not to be a religious organization that meets on Sunday morning to just kind of celebrate that Jesus died on the cross. And, it's, it's, and you know, a lot of churches this morning, I'm not running anybody down, but it's like he's still dead because nothing's happening. No, no, God is a supernatural God. God wants to show up in your life supernaturally when you act and believe what he said. David, if you and the band want to come, come on right now. See, without God showing up in your life, you won't make it through particular things. I'm just thinking about our life in particular. If God hadn't shown up in our life, you know, Trudy was born and took a fall. My wife, when she was four years old, that triggered a birth defect and her eyes crossed. She grew up in a church, but the church didn't believe, they didn't know about the power of God. But when we had just gotten married, she got, she met Jesus before I did. She was praying for me and I'll say a little bit about that in just a minute. But she went to a little prayer meeting one night and Trudy had crossed eyes from a fall she had taken and uh, she had to wear contacts or really thick glasses. She was like that in high school. She was always real pretty, but you could look at her closely and see something wasn't right with her eyes. She had surgery three times growing up, but they couldn't correct that. It's incurable because they discovered something in her brain was telling that eye to cross. But in a prayer meeting one night, somebody asked her this question, just simple little home prayer meeting. They said, do you believe Jesus could heal your eyes tonight? And she said, yes, I do. And they prayed a simple prayer. About an hour later, they prayed for some other things. She tells the story, I wasn't there, but she walked by a mirror and her eyes were bothering her. She had her glasses on. She said, I took my glasses off and looked in the mirror and she said they were kind of focusing and unfocusing, but she said, I looked and I thought, wait a minute, they look straight. She put her glasses back on, she couldn't see anything. She took them off and she could see that her eyes in an hour's time had straightened supernaturally. Her vision went 20-20. It was a miracle of God. If God hadn't showed up, my wife would have crossed eyes today. If God hadn't showed up, we would never have children. We were given a diagnosis. Trudy had endometriosis. The cure, it was just causing her some pain. The cure for that was to have a hysterectomy. But she didn't want to have a hysterectomy because we want to have kids. So one day she's just cruising through the Bible, reading the Bible. How many know it's good just to read the Bible? Just read the Bible. And she, her daily Bible reading took her to Psalm 113, verse 9. And she found this scripture. He makes the barren woman to keep house and be a joyful mother of children. And she just went, oh my goodness, wow. This is God will make a barren woman have children. And just in simple faith, she began to believe that. We prayed about it. We believed God that would he do something supernatural in this case. It was a few months later, she got pregnant. And now we have two children we were never supposed to have because God showed up. Now, I don't know what would have happened, but one of our kids is pastoring this church today. Would New Song Church be here? So you believe in God makes a difference not only in your life, but it touches other people's lives. But God showed up. If God wouldn't have showed up, I wouldn't even be here today. I was running from God. Because in my mind, this is what a lot of people think. I thought that I had committed a sin that was so bad, God could never forgive me. I was on the road to alcoholism. I was full of fear. I turned my back on God. I'd been a little kid and known him at one time. 
But now I've, I've walked away and I'm thinking, God, yeah, he doesn't want me anymore. I'm a loser. Nothing good can ever happen to me. But my wife gets saved. And then she began to do something really, really sneaky. I didn't know she was doing this. So glad she did. She believed in me enough to lay her hands on my back at night and pray for me. I didn't know she was doing that. That's a sneaky thing to do to somebody that's running from God. One day I'm driving to the liquor store. You know, Jesus loves people that are going to liquor stores. We moved into an apartment when we moved here two months ago. And I, uh, I hadn't lived in an apartment for a long time. We're going to stay there a while and then buy a house later. But uh, sometimes I walk around or drive around and I see people and I see the hurt in their eyes. And in my heart, and I know it's the heart of God, I think God wants to help you. God loves you just like you are. In fact, when I was going to the liquor store that day, because of her prayers, because she asked, God's presence showed up in the car with me. I mean, he just came in there. Well, what was it like? Did you see him, Brother Ken? Nope, I didn't see him. Did you feel him? Yeah, I guess in a way you could say I did, but I just knew he was there, okay? And then I heard him say this, not out loud, but in my heart I heard Jesus say three things to me. In fact, you might want to write these down because this kind of marked my life forever. And it's a formula that I use today when I, when I have a need from God. Here's what he said. He said, first thing, he said, I love you. Wow. He said, I love you. He, just like I was in the mess I was in, he loved me. And then he said this, number two. He said, I want to help you. You know, Jesus came to help people, all kinds of people. And then the third thing he, thing he said was, why don't you ask me to help you? Wow, that's powerful. You know why people, you know why the whole world isn't serving God today? God wants to help them. He loves them, but they have to ask him. They have to request. You have to invite him in. God is such a gentleman. You have to invite him, invite him into your situation. You say, Brother King, my situation is really bad. I don't think God could help me. Yes, he can. He can walk into the midst of the worst deal that you've ever seen. And redemption can turn it around and make a rose out of something dead and awful and nasty. God loves you this morning. He wants to help you. Why don't you ask him to help you? Let's pray right now. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gospel. We learn from Noah how important we are in our time, our family, our children, our purpose, our plan, our place, our place in this church, our place in the world. Every human being in here, we're called to, to do something, be something significant through Christ. And Lord, I pray for people that need your help this morning. I pray that they would call out to you and I thank you, Lord, that just like you did, you showed up in my life, changed everything forever. I'd like to ask our prayer team to come right now, if you would. Make your way to the altar. And I want to invite you this morning. God loves you. He wants to help you. And that doesn't mean maybe you're in some great degradated sin either. Maybe you just have a need in your life. And it's on your heart this morning. Pray about it. I believe God can do something wonderful through our prayers this morning. Would you come right now and join us? 
you have a need in your life, maybe you'd like to, to meet Jesus, get right with him. You can do that this morning. Your life can be changed, everything turned around. Whatever it is, as the band plays, we're gonna worship God and come, to, come forward to the altar. We wanna pray with you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.